This is your last call for my wife, the dietitian. The show is just about to start. Come on, let's go. Hurry up. I'm trying. I can't get my shoe on. Welcome to My Wife, the Dietitian, a fun weekly podcast about nutrition and healthy lifestyle. I'm Rob, and together with my wife, Sandra, we invite you to join us on this informative and entertaining journey through the complex world of healthy eating. Join us each week as we strive to help you with transforming your overall health and relationship with food through up-to-date, evidence-based nutrition information. Is it normal to start declining in health as we age? Is it inevitable to lose our appetite, lose weight, and develop chronic diseases as we get older? Today, we speak with Michelle Sari, the long-term care RD, all about aging well into our golden years. The facts show that if we value nutrition and we prioritize it, your risk of getting these chronic diseases is lower. Food is a key tool though in helping us age well and reduce those risks of chronic diseases as we're aging. So it's very important that we're still placing value on those really nutritious foods and overall a very well-balanced diet. You might want to take notes for this one. Enjoying the show? You can help others find it and enjoy it too by giving us a five-star rating or review. If you feel like reaching out to us with a question or comment, you can send us an email at mywifetherd at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at mywifethedietitian.com, as well as our social media pages. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to My Wife the Dietitian. Hello, Sandra. Hi, Rob. How's it going? Good. We're interviewing Michelle Sari, the long-term care dietitian. That's her website, actually, the Long-Term Care RD. Okay. And we're talking all about why nutrition is so important as we age and signs of malnutrition in older people and also some strategies to help with people's nutrition as they age. Yeah. And this just isn't for older people. This is for anyone who has someone older in their life which is all of us, you know, whether it's uh, a parent, a grandparent, a coworker, a spouse, family member, we all have older people in our lives. And we, you know, that's, that's part of the community, raising the community. We look after each other. So it's important for us to be aware of some of the issues that older people have with their health and nutrition and, and sort of understand the signs of malnutrition, I guess, and, and just help them to make sure that they're getting the nutrition that they need and keep keep everyone healthy. Yeah. And it's also about just aging well. So, you know, all of us are aging. We have birthdays every year and we're kind of dispelling some myths about age means chronic disease and body breakdown and decreased appetite and all that because it doesn't have to. So tune in and listen to our great informative information and interview with Michelle. Yeah, she's going to give us a, a few secrets on how to how to be one of those ripped grannies that we talked about before. <laughs> right. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Michelle. Okay. Thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on the show today. Could you tell our listeners who you are and what you do to help people? 
Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm Michelle, I'm a registered dietitian and I currently run the website Long-Term Care RD. So what started out as just a website to help long-term care dietitians feel less isolated has now grown into this giant community, thankfully, of helping not only older adults to age well, have evidence-based scientific nutrition information, but I still continue to help train and educate dietitians that are working with older adults and geriatrics. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's I, I noticed on your website, you have a passion for advocacy uh, for improving lives of older adults. And, and I just, I am so happy. I wanted to get you on the show because many of our listeners have parents or grandparents or even spouses or family or friends that are in long-term care or po- maybe heading that way. And so that's why I think this is a really important topic because I feel like a lot of people just don't give nutrition or health much. Um, You don't think about it as much uh, in older years. And I work in long-term care also, and I know how important it is for health. And I really, that's why I wanted to talk to you. And I wanted to ask, like, what are some signs of malnutrition in the elderly? Yeah. So that is exactly why I started this website. It seemed like such an underserved area, yet probably, in my opinion, one of the most important areas to make sure that nutrition is very well understood. And so obviously, malnutrition is a really big problem plaguing not only long-term care, but our aging population. So there is an official diagnosis for malnutrition that you have to check boxes essentially to get that diagnosis. But there's so many signs that people can look for in their practical everyday lives with loved ones or even dietitians that are working with the elderly. So I would say number one is unintentional weight loss. So we see this and I see this as a key indicator that malnutrition is either already there or it's on its way. And so Not many older adults weigh themselves anymore, but I say a really easy to weigh to see if your loved one is losing weight unintentionally is how are their clothes fitting? Are they constantly needing, you know, new shirts or their pants are just really loose now? That's a sign that they may want to talk to somebody about getting their nutrition checked. And it's typically because you unintentionally lose weight because you're not eating enough. So that's another one. If you notice that a lot of meals are going left untouched, or if they're saying they don't want to eat anymore, so you're noticing that their intake is going down. Another sign of malnutrition can be muscle loss. It's a technical diagnosis. We call it sarcopenia, but really it is just muscle mass loss. And so that's where we're seeing, you know, they're weaker. Maybe they're not walking quite as much. Another sign, fatigue, weakness. So there's a number of things that we advise if you're looking for somebody, do they have malnutrition? Well, yeah, if they're showing a lot of these signs, then I would say chances are, yeah, they have malnutrition, which essentially in simple terms, it's just not eating enough to meet their daily needs to maintain their weight and strength and muscle and things like that. Are are those things not fairly common in in older age though? As people sort of slow down, they're going to be eating less and Do you know what I mean? Like there must be a fine line between checking the box and not checking the box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I heard this great saying, it says malnutrition is common, but it's not normal. And so while we do see malnutrition and kind of like you're saying that we tend to just see, well, as you get older, your appetite decreases, that's normal. 
it is yeah. normal. It's to the degree what's normal though. And so that's where we see, okay, if they start to lose weight, that's not normal though. Normal is, that's not a normal part of the aging process. And I think that's something that we probably attribute too much to being normal is, well, yeah, as you get older, you just start to lose weight naturally. You start to lose muscle mass. And I like to kind of dispel that myth in that if you want to maintain good health in your older years, actually not losing weight and having a higher BMI is a really good protective factor. So I like to kind of (laughs) caution people that we shouldn't in our loved ones just think that it's normal for them to be losing weight and appetite decreasing to an extent where they are getting weaker, because that's where we start to see the more serious health things happen, like a fall and a fracture or something like that. Right. So so you can be you know, you can't keep your weight and your muscle and your bone strength up as you age. You don't have to deteriorate is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we will just naturally see, you know, bone loss and some muscle mass loss as they're decreasing physical activity and bone mass loss. I mean, that's just a normal part of aging after the age of 30, but it doesn't mean that your quality of life has to go down with it. And you know, if you lose muscle mass, sometimes your quality of life will go down if you can't do things that you enjoyed before. But Again, it's to a degree, I guess I would say, if that makes sense. So I can totally. keep my shredded body as I get older. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think Sandra would expect you to keep Sweet. your shredded body. Yes. Nice. <laughs> All right. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> but you mentioned the quality of life. I like that because if you do have a fall or fracture, that severely affects your quality of life because that might mean the whole downward cycle of not getting or being institutionalized or going to the hospital and then having to go to long-term care because you can't be independent anymore. So there is such important reasons to maintain your lean muscle. So keep the calories up to spare Mm -hmm. the protein. Because I think as people get get older, they're like, well, I don't move as much. I don't need as many calories. I don't You know, and then if your body's not getting the calories it needs, it takes it from the muscle. It takes it from the the big muscle in the uh, like the quadriceps are the biggest muscle in the body, and you'll notice that it you it's more effort to climb stairs. It's like it's a lot more. You know, if you've lost some lean muscle there, then that affects your quality of life, and it actually can determine your length of life and your morbidity and mortality. Like it's such an important indicator of aging well is that muscle, the quadricept. So yeah, it's really important that people try to keep eating and they try to keep exercising. Yeah, exactly. And I 100% agree is that one of the number one reasons we see people in their older age admitted to hospital, admitted to long-term care is those falls and fractures that they have a really hard time recovering from. So if they don't have that base muscle and that base weight that they are kind of holding on to and maintaining, they're at such high risk of that. And it's such a sad thing to see is that more often than not, I would say it's preventable if they can keep up, you know, like you're saying, Sandra, the protein, the calories, even if as an older adult or, you know, a son or daughter caring for your older parent, if they start to say, I'm not doing anything, I don't need to eat lunch. It's yeah, you do, but it's not forcing it on them. It's talking to them and 
you know, it's something that I do is just educating them that, you know what, this is why it's really beneficial that you don't have to push yourself to where you're eating so much that you're uncomfortable, but there is a baseline protein and calories that you still should be taking in so that you can maintain your independence because that's one of the most valuable things as you get older is being able to still do things for yourself, which a lot of them want to do. I think we all want to do that as we're getting older. I would assume there's a lot of people who just, they're not hungry, you know, like I know my parents are in their nineties and, you know, I'm not living with them, so I don't see their eating habits every day, but Mm -hmm. I think sometimes they're just like, oh, we just split a sandwich for lunch. And I'm like, that's it. And they're like, well, you know, we're just sitting around, we're not doing much. We don't need much. And we're just not hungry for a big meal, like, like a Rob size meal, you know, like I eat a lot of food, but I got to keep my shredded body up. Right. So (laughs) it's, uh, it's different, but yeah. Like, what do you do? What do you suggest in that scenario? It is hard, especially if you're not living with them. I I completely understand and I respect autonomy. So if somebody doesn't want to eat, you know, in practice, I'm never going to force them to eat a meal. But I know when I was working in long-term care, that was one of the number one things I would see with new admissions is they would say, I would ask for their eating history. And let's say they came from community, so they were in their own homes, and they'd be telling me, I just have tea and toast for breakfast, maybe a small lunch, and then I don't really eat supper. So it would take time for that to change. But it did in that if they're presented with regular meals on a regular basis, their structured meal times they would actually come to three meals a day with all the other people and they would eat their lunch, breakfast, supper, all of it. And so we would see kind of a rebound in their nutrition, which was always awesome to see. And I love that. So if that's, you know, your loved one, maybe it is just checking in with them and making meal plans with them and talking to them about what they're eating it's not like you want to badger them because I don't think anybody responds well to that, but just encouraging them that they still should be eating breakfast, lunch, and supper, even if it's something small or if they don't want to be having these big meals, that's okay. Encouraging snacking between meals, just kind of doing that check-in with them and checking up on their nutrition to see how they're doing. So yeah, you can't force anybody. You know, I, I don't think, obviously, I doubt your parents would take too kindly to you coming daily to make sure they're <laughs> eating breakfast, lunch, and supper. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, just having those conversations with them. Yeah, they do pretty well. I just use them as an example because they do listen to the podcast, and I'll get a phone call saying, hey, "We eat lunch. What are you talking about?" But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that's I, you know. right. We're talking about them. <laughs> but there's another layer to that. And I see this in long-term care a lot too, when people are admitted, they are still following their old diets from, oh, I had, you know, uh, I can't eat cholesterol or low cholesterol diet or low fat diet, or, uh, you know, almost like diet culture mentality, or even just like um, they had a diet prescription at some point Mm -hmm. in their life, but that was like 40, 50 years ago. And it's like, Yeah. Yeah. Or whenever, like, or even recently, like a lot of, oh, no dairy, no lactose intolerance. Mom doesn't tolerate dairy. And then all of a sudden she's not, you know, you can see she's stooped over and there's like osteoporosis, advanced osteoporosis happening because there hasn't been any kind of calcium rich food or fluid for decades. So it's just interesting. And as a dietitian in long-term care, it's a tricky thing, but, but I think you're right. Like having that 
regular, you know, the breakfast, lunch and dinner. It's a social occasion. Everybody's there. And, you know, you're eating together in long term care, like if it's a facility. And Mm -hmm. it's really actually great to see that their weight, like the, especially people that were malnourished in the community or just not eating, you know, three meals a day, they just weren't getting the nutrition they needed. And then coming into a place where it's like, free meals, three meals a day, you know, free. You know, it's part of their admission (laughs) and uh, it's a price of the admission, right? And they get as much food as they want and they don't have to prepare it. They don't have to, like we actually did an episode with uh, one of the chefs in uh, one of the dementia care places I work and his name is mm-hmm. John and he is amazing with the residents because it's a care home that's small and the kitchen's right within their activity area so they watch him cook you know and they smell the smells and they right. ask him questions and those people are just like food is such an integral part of their daily experience and it's mm-hmm. so nice because they're thriving like literally yeah they are it's a great kind of model for care, especially dementia care. And I just, I think it's like food is such a central part of people's existence, you Mm -hmm. know, when they're retired and after, you know, as they're slowing down. So for people to think, oh, I can't, you know, I'm not doing much or I'll just have tea and toast because it's just easy. I'm alone. I don't, no effort, but it's like, no, nutrition is so important. You can't get all of the vitamins and minerals and protein and the macronutrients, the fiber, the fluid, everything you need if you're just having tea and toast and like half a sandwich. Like it's just, that's not enough nutrition. So yeah, anyways, I'm on a rant here, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I feel like that was me ranting right there, but no, it's so important. And I think... You know, one of research says that meal times are one of the most valuable times in long-term care because their meals are the one thing that they basically have control over or have a say in. So, you know, it just goes to show like meals are so important, whether you're still living in your own home, in the community or with loved ones or in long-term care, meals are always a social engagement and it's not just about the nutrition it's also about making it such a wonderful social gathering because that's the way that we show that we care for one another that's the way that we show that we want to spend time with somebody so you know food is about more than just the nutrition that it offers although that's really important but i think that's why we see that rebound in their nutrition a little bit when they're admitted to long-term care because they're socializing and it's an enjoyable experience and the dining room atmosphere is nice. And so I try not to be too clinical when it comes to meals in that I want to restore that enjoyment in meals that maybe has been lost over time because they've been living alone or meals are just, you know, something that they get out of the way during their day. So it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 10 years old, 20 or 80 years old, meals are still so critical to your overall health. And so I just want to make sure that we always remember that. Totally. I love that. And I love this when you said that you kind of put away your clinical hat, you know, in a in a way to mm-hmm. restore that enjoyment because it is quality of life. This is their yeah. this is probably their last place they're ever gonna stay. Exactly. And you know, it's like let's like it needs to have like that quality of life is such an important part of the puzzle. Yeah. And how you were talking about if they have a diet prescription, you know, low fat or low salt from the 70s, 
I'm a huge advocate for diet liberalization, which means that I like to have as few restrictions as possible because research will back me up in showing that the less restrictions we have with older adults, the better they are. So obviously there are some diet prescriptions that need to stay, but in most long-term care facilities I've worked at, we have all but eliminated the controlled carb diabetic diet because it's not needed as much in the elderly. And some people might not agree with me, but I have been doing this for over 10 years. <laughs> I have seen wonderful positive results when I can give grandma a real piece of cake and not a fruit cup. So nice. I will stand on that soapbox for the rest of my career. <laughs> Right Absolutely. On. No, it's so true, especially, yeah, the diabetes diet. I mean, technically the meal, the menu is set up that it's going to be perfect for someone with diabetes because yeah. it's three meals a day and snacks. I mean, and they have protein <laughs> yeah. at each meal and fiber. And so that is a diabetes diet, guys. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Getting them off of it, though, is sometimes the more challenging part because like you said, they've been on it for 30, 40 years. And so getting them off is, it's sometimes a step-by-step -step process. And if they really feel strongly that they want to stick with that, that's okay. I respect that. But it's that education piece that, you know what, your blood sugars likely are not going to go wild if I give you regular desserts. And so typically they're quite happy about it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's sometimes the adult children that are more of the um, uh, kind of food police, yes. you know, they're like, <laughs> yeah. they're saying, Hey, no, mom can't have this or no, we really want to control her blood sugars because right. she had a problem 20 years ago. So no, she's, she's 90. Has Let to be her live. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I know, I know. And I think, I think in like, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, there was like the food police dietitians, um, I think, yeah. part of, you know, with the food service. And, and I think it almost, um, I don't know, it was very clinical. And I yeah. think it was not taking into account quality of life and, you know, making sure that food is um, more about taste and flavor and enjoyment. And mm -hmm. so that's part two. And I think like, I, I'm totally on your page with the uh, quality of life with food is like so key to people's aging process and helping them have some enjoyment with their day-to-day -day living. Yeah, and, and learning that at a young age, it's not just restricted for older people. I think everyone should be enjoying their food and, and viewing food as more than nutrition. We often have these slogans in our in our episodes, Michelle, where I'm like, yeah, that's the bumper sticker. And that's today's <laughs> bumper sticker. Food is more than nutrition. Yeah. Because it really yes. is, you know, and we, we've discussed that with so many different people and it comes back to that is like, yes, you know, like we got to enjoy our food. We got to have those social gatherings around food. It's, it's more than just calories. And, uh, I think it's a good thing to learn when you're young to take into aging, you know, so that you don't mm -hmm. have issues when you're 80, you've grown up knowing that food is, is, uh, an important part of your life. Absolutely. I, this is off topic, but kind of on topic. Have you guys seen the Blue Zones documentary or anything like that? Love it. Yes. yes. Love Obsessed. It. So I'm not going to say that I discovered it first, but I heard of the Blue Zones probably <laughs> five to 10 years ago. And so I had read the books and I just was completely blown away. But it essentially goes back to what we're talking about now is that 
if we can understand these concepts when we're younger, we can take it in as we age. And a Mm -hmm. big concept of the blue zones is that food is more than just the nutrition piece is that, you know, food is a key tool, though, in helping us age well and reduce those risks of chronic diseases as we're aging. So it's very important that we're still placing value on those really nutritious foods and overall a very well-balanced diet, but really understanding that, you know, I, I have a young daughter now, obviously, and so instilling in her how great it is to cook food from scratch and know what you're putting into your food not yes. being a food police, but seeing how can we make this taste so delicious with, you know, herbs and spices and baking, you know, fresh bread or making pizza from scratch. And I, I will get pushback from people that, you know what, I just don't have time. And sure, some people don't, but it's where do you value your time, though? Can you find exactly. time prioritize. to give up something? Yeah. Exactly. Prioritize. Maybe you're not spending time watching TVs at all in the evening because your meals take longer to cook and it's a social occasion. And I think we can take concepts like this well into our older years that you look at the Blue Zones documentary and some of these women and men, they're cooking well into their 90s, going into their 100s relatively chronic disease free. And is that not the goal for all of us? Like, I don't think any of us want to develop dementia or chronic diseases or diabetes. But that means that we need to take these valuable lessons when we're in our 20s and 30s and continue them on into our older years to age well. Absolutely. And I think eating together, that's a key part of the blue zones is like Mm -hmm. the community, the eating together, the socializing. And we are losing that in this day and age in our North American culture. We're losing the fact that we come together at a meal. We're all on our own devices in every parts of the house. And the dining room table is just like a place to put papers and, you know, it just piles up with junk and no one's using it. It Maybe for Christmas or Thanksgiving, but it's such an important piece. And for elderly and older people too, like getting together, like with generational, you know, with Mm -hmm. kids and the adult children and then the the, uh, older adults, like I think that is such an important part of living and celebrating and socializing and the blue zones, I think, really speak to that aspect of the socializing and eating together, you know, like it's so key. So yeah, I love that you mentioned that because that's um, like to just, you either for your health, you either pay now or pay later in terms yeah. of, you know, the the time, like you put the time in and make some good foods for the family and sit together and um, maybe not seven nights a week, but as it, you know, if you think of it as a priority, then yeah. it will happen more often. And then, you know, down the line, as, as you mentioned, you pay the price down the line if you haven't done that because your health, you know, it's the cost of your health. And uh, so it's such an important thing, like a big picture to look at, right? And as we have yeah. young families and, kids like we're role models for that too so if we're constantly putting everybody in the car going through drive through over and over again and just not eating like I mean that's okay sometimes but it's just the prioritizing eating together I think right it's like and I don't want to shame anyone because our life is so busy and chaotic and you know but um, I think we're just losing that connection around eating I don't think it's shaming. I think it's just mm-hmm. you guys have the experience to show people 
what the outcome will be from that kind of behavior. And it's education, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, look, you know, this is, this is what people are doing and this is what research shows is going to happen to those people. So maybe give it some thought, you know, next time you're going to the drive-thru, if there's, you know, a better option. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's like you're saying, Rob, it's, it's important that, especially as, you know, registered dietitians, that we're honest about the facts. And this is what the facts show. The facts show that if we value nutrition and we prioritize it, your risk of getting these chronic diseases is lower. And it's not that we're trying to make people feel bad, but it's, if you cannot do this, then maybe it's time to evaluate where your time and money are going. And maybe some things won't make the cut anymore because it's not conducive to trying to age well. And that means spending time cooking meals and meal planning and things like that. So, you know, as compassionate as we try to be with the way we present our nutrition information, I think that we also want to be brutally honest that, you know, having fast food multiple times a week will not bode well for your future health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're role models. I mean, this is what our kids are seeing and then they do. It's easy. It's the easy button. It's convenient. And uh, yeah. And they're popping up everywhere. I mean, there's, you know, in our small town, we keep getting fast food joints like on every corner. It's just, uh, and it's just like access, you know, it's, oh, anyways. (laughs) Okay. I have one more question. Well, I have a couple more, but uh, one that I wanted to talk to you about with older people's nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some easy mealtime strategies to help, uh, you know, if, if older people are having struggles with their eating or their nutrition? Um, Do you have any uh, easy mealtime strategies? Yeah. So number one, it's, nutrient dense foods. So it's getting the most bang for your buck with every food that they're having. And so that means that we're, we do this in long-term care, but you can do it in your own home too. So it's fortifying these foods. So if you're making mashed potatoes, it's, you can add skim milk powder in there to get a little bit more protein, or you're using cream instead of skim milk or something like that, because then you're getting that extra fat, which is beneficial as they're older because they're getting more calories in the same amount of food, but they don't have to eat quite as much to hit those calorie goals. Um, It can be adding a lot of cheese. Smoothies are a really great option. There's a lot of obviously oral nutritional supplement drinks or protein drinks on the market today. And I always like to educate people that they are a wonderful addition to meeting those calorie needs if somebody is struggling to meet them, but they're not meal replacements. And I think that's a mistake that's made a little bit, um, unfortunately, is that if you have one at breakfast, if you're an older adult, then chances are, obviously, you're not going to eat your breakfast. So instead of having those drinks with meals, try to have them between meals. So at snack time, so then you're not filling up and not eating your food because you want to get your calories, your protein, your nutrients from food first, because we absorb those nutrients better. Um, Hydration is really important. So Some older adults will struggle with, well, I don't want to go to the bathroom 10 times a day. And I understand that. But if you're dehydrated. I I don't want to go to the bathroom 10 times a day either. (laughs) 
That's not an, well, you that's have not to an stay age thing. hydrated, Rob. <laughs> I, I do, but that's that's the thing. It's like that's the downside of drinking all the drinking water all the time. It is. It's like, oh, got to go to the bathroom again. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, carry on. It's <laughs> a great addition. Um, but dehydration can actually impact appetite and it can increase nausea. So if they don't want to be drinking obviously, and going to the bathroom constantly, they can have soups, broths, food with higher water content. So cucumbers, watermelon, those can be good options to get hydration without having to drink, you know, eight to 10 glasses of water a day, because that's not always an appealing thing. Um, Some easy to eat foods. So have foods on hand that are pre-prepared, those roast chickens from the grocery store that just need to be heated up and cut. You need to be realistic with what you're actually going to do. And obviously this is applicable to the younger generation, but I would say more so to the older generation that if you're a loved one and you're bringing them food, don't bring them food that they're going to have to chop up, prepare, cook from scratch, because that might be a little overwhelming for them. And sometimes they're just looking to go into their fridge and have something that they can just heat up and go. So if you really want to help them, maybe you bring them a meal that's, you know, in a Tupperware container that they can just heat up on the go. So it's making it as easy as possible for them to select foods that have high calorie, high protein, that are delicious, and they're going to want to eat. So it's making it the easy option to eat those foods instead of just cooking up a slice of toast, because toast is great, but it's not a whole meal. So those are just some quick tips that I hope and I have seen in my practice that have helped older adults if they're still, you know, living in their home, if you're a loved one, those are ways that you can help them. I, li- I like the yeah. best bang for your buck uh, mm-hmm. concept too, because that sort of covers the um, the problem with a lot of older people not wanting to eat a lot of food. So yeah. therefore you have to make sure that you're eating the right foods so that you're getting your nutrients and your calories, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for those. That's really, uh, those are, you know, practical strategies. And I agree with everything you said, because it's like, make every mouthful count. It's such a key thing when people have either uh, lost their appetite, or they just don't feel as hungry anymore, and they're just not eating as well. So yeah, just making every mouthful count. And, and it's okay to add, um, you know, add fat calories to your food, like add butter, yeah. add um, mayo, add things that t- make it taste better, but they're also actually increasing the calories to help spare your protein so that you keep your lean muscle and you keep your, you know, quadriceps, uh, you know, <laughs> you don't lose your leg muscles, right? <laughs> You're all about those quadriceps, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was one of the other things with blue zones because they live on countries, like they live on the hillsides. And so they're always going up and down the hills. So, you know, having a house that has stairs is actually really beneficial. If you're living in a rancher when you're older and you're not having to go up and down stairs, that's another like just form of, you know, working out as you, you know, live your daily living. If you have to go do laundry or, you know, go down and upstairs, it's actually really beneficial for older people. Absolutely. Be I saw this, I don't know what it was, maybe an Instagram video or something. This woman had recorded her 90 plus year old mother doing her daily exercises. And this woman looked maybe 70. And her daily exercise was sitting cross-legged on the floor 
and repeatedly getting up. And she would do this multiple times a day. And, you know, I'm young. I'm only in my 36th year. I'm a young woman. And I thought, that's hard for even me to do. Like, kudos. But it's a brilliant exercise. <laughs> that's tough to do. I totally. love it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When we did watch the the Blue Zone, you saw that in Japan. Like, they don't really have a lot of, like, you know, lazy furniture. boy seats right. or furniture. Like, yeah. they're sitting on the ground. And actually, that's yeah. really good for you because, you know, I think all of our modern conveniences are really not good for our health over time. Like, we're getting the yeah. sitting disease where it's like sedentary living and sitting in our lazy boy watching the media, or whatever. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, I love that. Like, getting up, uh, like, sitting cross-legged and just standing up. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, I'm going to try that after this. <laughs> Crisscross applesauce isn't just for kids anymore, right? No, you guys record a video of you guys doing that. <laughs> that's there a great go. idea. <laughs> okay. So one thing I want to ask before we go here. Um, it's can something I, we asked. Sorry. Can I ask just a quick question while we're on the, the food topic? I guess the whole thing's a food topic, but uh, um, just uh, we had a question from a listener about protein powder. She's an uh, was an older woman and was curious about adding protein powder and and does that sort of fit in with the protein shakes? Kind of you want to do food first, or is protein powder something you can maybe think about adding or? Absolutely. You yeah. You know what? Even in long-term care, we use protein powder. We specifically use it more often than not to heal up pressure injuries and wounds. But for general health, 100%, I feel like I've used 100% saying multiple times through this interview. So. <laughs> that's okay. Me too. That's, I'm going to use it a lot today. getting obnoxious, please correct that because no. I don't think I've ever used that in my <laughs> daily life. I don't know why it's coming up now. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yes, protein powder is a great option. Um, I think often it's marketed towards, you know, people that want to build muscle and going to the gym. But for older adults, it's absolutely a wonderful tool that they can use as well to increase their protein. Because in older adults, they should actually be getting more protein per kilogram of body weight than the younger generation. And it's to maintain that muscle mass that they're more prone to lose as they're getting older. So, you know, right. buying a protein powder, you can get any from the grocery stores that if you like the flavor, mix it in with a smoothie. You can even mix it in with a morning porridge or oatmeal. There's so many ways that you can add it to the diet. So if you find one that you really enjoy the taste of and you have to try a couple of them, then definitely a great option to add to their diet. Perfect. Good, good. Thank you. I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, do you want me to ask the question, Rob, that we ask all our listeners? The, the question? <laughs> the question. Yes. Yes. Uh -oh. yes. Let's ask, okay. let's ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. No, because it, it brings it back to food too. Like we love uh, the whole idea of like, you know, food is the language of nutrition. So uh, when you go to a potluck or family gathering, uh, what dish would you bring to share? Oh, it's, you know what, it's such a dietitian answer, but please don't think I'm sitting around eating vegetables all the time. But I am usually the one that will bring a vegetable dish because I feel like they're usually lacking in having That's more than just like meat and potatoes. But you know what, I'm 
a dietitian, but I do not generally enjoy most vegetables. So I find a way to cook something that I really love, like a really great um, baked beets, uh, potatoes and carrots. It's such a good combination. So that's typically what I'll bring to a potluck or something. But thank God my mother is the most wonderful cook in the world. So I rarely have to bring (laughs) anything to a potluck (laughs) or a family dinner because she has everything covered. (laughs) We'll have to we'll have to give her a call and see what she would bring. <laughs> sounds sounds like she she's got some good ideas. Actually, I'm totally making what you said. The beets, carrots, and um, potatoes. I'm making oh, that tonight that. for dinner because yeah. we we have beets and potatoes and carrots. And I and you know colorful. I love that roasted. Yeah, and it tastes so sweet, like with the roasting yeah. of that and a little bit of mm-hmm. olive oil and and spices. so inexpensive oh, yeah. those vegetables. So inexpensive. Oh yeah. 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 And they're actually really good for the, to offer prebiotics to your gut health for your probiotics. Exactly. The food. <laughs> and there's your next an episode, episode on, an episode yeah. on prebiotics. <laughs> well, that was right. last week's episode, I think. Oh. Or was that probiotic? Yeah. It's pretty close anyway. <laughs> yeah. Probiotic pop quiz. That's right. No, that's so good. Thank you so much, Michelle, for taking your time. I know your daughter is having her nap and she's probably waking up soon. And uh, we uh, <laughs> yeah. want to honor your valuable time here because you've um, really offered some incredible uh tidbits of great practical strategies for people and just really educating um, the the importance of nutrition in older years and the the whole idea that we don't have to age poorly. We That's can, right. you know, we can, yeah, age backwards, like get younger every year mm-hmm. by like, you know, lifestyle is such an important piece of the puzzle. And um, I think just in our culture and society, it's like, Aging is something people think that's just inevitable. And as you said at the start, like it doesn't have to be that your health goes down the tubes. You can Mm -hmm. actually have some uh, impact in terms of lifestyle to prevent those age-related diseases like uh, diabetes and heart disease and cardiovascular disease and high blood pressure, all those things. Like this is something that we can do with our diet and our exercise and our, you know, stress and our sleep and all those things that help keep us healthy. Yeah. You don't have to throw in the towel just because you're getting older, right? No. You can can age, age gracefully with, uh, with a ripped six pack. Exactly. We all just want to be not like that Rob. That's the goal, but <laughs> I'll be the it's role model as I age. Hey? Sure. sure. <laughs> what did you call it a couple of months ago, Rob, when we did one on uh, protein powders on uh, rippedgrannies.com? Ripped grannies. Yeah, that was, that was just a total tangent we got on, but it was pretty funny. Yeah. So funny. A good goal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Michelle. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, like Sandra said, your information was was amazing. It's uh, it's nice to talk to someone who's got some experience. And yeah, thanks for sharing your wisdom. And and actually, Michelle, if uh, people want to look you up or find more about your uh, information, um, is there a website or podcast? Like, where can people go? Yeah. So there are multiple places that you can find me. Um, two separate audiences. I 
hope this is okay to kind of confuse people here. So I have the website. <laughs> <Absolutely. That's> okay. <laughs> Longtermcarerd.com is a website that is fully dedicated to older adult to geriatric nutrition, uh, very evidence-based nutrition information. If you are though part of the younger generation that you don't consider yourself older adult to geriatric, I have another website called the dietitianprescription.com and that one is full of recipes that are really great for your overall health and articles as well for just a younger population. But you can find me largely on social media at longtermcarerd on Instagram and Facebook and of course you can always contact me with your aging nutrition questions. I'm always happy to talk and help people out. That's awesome. Wonderful. We'll definitely link those in the show notes and uh, send people your way. Great. You have yeah. a podcast too, don't you? I do. It's uh, it's on all major podcast platforms. Uh, it's under the title "Older Adult to Geriatric Nutrition Answers." So I talk a lot about you know dietitian related nutrition information for older adults and geriatric care. Awesome. I'll have to give that a listen. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. That's uh, yeah, and I I have referenced your blog articles in some of the presentations I've given because I think your information is just so spot on and it I, it aligns with how I practice too. And that's why I wanted to get you on the show because I just think it's such an important topic to cover for everybody because we all have older adults in our life in, you know, either parents, grandparents, great grandparents, or even it could be a spouse or it could be a mm -hmm. family or friend, as I mentioned earlier. And it's just nutrition is important throughout the life cycle. And uh, we can't forget about older people. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I felt like this conversation was so great for helping people realize that, you know what, we can turn the tides on our health as we age. It can be a wonderful process where you're really aiming to get better and healthier every year. So Love it. Love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, well, I think we'll have you back on the show, I hope. And we're going to go uh, one day, we're going to do a road trip and we'll visit all of our guests and you're <laughs> on the list. So I look forward to having your, your veggie tray that you're bringing to, yeah, to, to our, our potluck. famous potluck here. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. I really appreciate it. Right, oh, Michelle, thanks so thanks much, again. Michelle. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. What a great interview, eh? Yeah, she had a ton of good ideas, real common sense kind of stuff, practical tips, and a lot of stuff that we say every week too. You know, it's it's that same message that keeps getting driven home, and I think it needs to, you know, in order for people to start changing their behaviors. But you know, just eat well, and and uh, it's important to include socialization you know food isn't just about the nutrition or sorry eating isn't just about nutrition it's it's about uh your entire health yeah food is more than nutrition as socialization said. and the yeah. whole bit social and yeah exactly and yeah. yeah and also eating together helping like to keep quality of life so having flavor in your meals and this all helps with maintaining weight and your lean muscle mass, which is really important as you age mm -hmm. to keep you independent and prevent falls and fractures. Yeah. So it's also key with aging well and maintaining independence and living well with less chronic diseases in your uh, older years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's doable. I, I like that it's something that we have control over 
because I think for so long we all just thought, oh, well, growing old is just something that happens. It's going to, you know, we're all going to age. Our number is going to age. It doesn't mean our body has to age with it. And now we kind of have some idea of how to how to be able to control that. So that's something to look forward to, I guess, as we get older. Yeah. And if people want more information, uh, check out the long-term care RD, Michelle Sari, dietitian, and her website. And it has lots of information. We'll have the links in the show notes. Yeah, there'll be lots of stuff there that we'll include to send you her way. You can also check out our website. It's mywifethedietitian.com. And we've got something that we've just started doing. It's uh, a newsletter that we're starting to put out. Uh, So you can sign up for that on the website. There's a few links or a few buttons there on the website where you can find the the sign-up page. Uh, And that'll be a regular newsletter where we'll just give you updates on what's going on, some different ideas, some different downloadable things that you can get for free, updates on what's coming and where things are at. So definitely worth checking that out. You can also email us your questions if you have ideas for the show or just general questions about whatever, not whatever, nutrition-related ideally. Our email for that is mywifetherd at gmail.com. Yeah, and we love it if you share with one friend or a colleague or coworker and let them know about the show and how it's helped you because uh, we get feedback from people all the time and how it's been really helping with their day-to-day just in the kitchen, some ideas for foods they're buying at the store and how to feed their families and how to feel better uh, just going through life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sharing is caring. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and we are happy that you're spending your valuable time with us you can also find us on our social media pages too we're on facebook instagram and youtube and as sandra said too we really appreciate rating and reviewing it really helps our show just kind of keep moving forward and helps other people find it so if you're able to do that as well on whatever platform you're listening on that would be much appreciated so that's it for this week we will be back on wednesday with our regular nutrition nuggets So until then, have a great week, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on My Wife, the Dietitian. If you like what you heard, don't be shy. Leave us a comment or review and be sure to share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to hear more, hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on our social media pages for updates, episode trailers, and other odds and ends. For more info and links on what we discussed on today's episode, check the show notes. We'll be back next week with another informative and fun-filled episode. 